Hello. Hello. I have with me here the, the Mossad, the official or unofficial <laughs> Israeli yes. uh, security forces. Is, yes. that, uh, is that accurate, uh, an accurate depiction? The, it, Mossad is like a spy agency. Uh, okay. They uh, hunt Nazis and stuff like this. Real Nazis. Yeah. One of the best in the world and one of the top five in Israel, yes? Yes, one of the best in the world. Uh, they say the Mossad is excellent because it learns from the best. Ah, okay. Good mm. to know. So I brought you on to talk a bit about um, what's happening in, in, in the region, in Israel. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know what has happened in the last week. We are on the 8th of April at the, at the moment. And it's been a particularly bloody week by any yes. standards. Uh, could you just let the viewers know from someone that's like in, in the region what, what has happened in the last week? Well, we've had uh, multiple terrorist attacks. Um, we've had um, the worst one, I think, is, um, was uh, last night in Tel Aviv, um, where I'm not sure how many um, Arab Muslim terrorists... <laughs> <laughs> have uh, decided uh, to shoot uh, at innocent Israelis uh, just uh, doing their shopping and uh, drinking coffee in a cafe in um, central Tel Aviv. Um, uh, Europeans are familiar with this, right? They've had an introduction course into uh, this type of uh, behavior. I'm, I'm, I can't say that they have. I'm not sure if the young ones at the very least have. Well, they had, the, they had the Manchester bombing, uh, they had the um, uh, Bataclan in Paris, uh, the nightclub that was attacked, uh, people were being tortured and mutilated. Um, they've had the London Bridge attack. They've had a few in, um, in the UK, in France, in Germany. Um, so they are, they've had a, an introductory <laughs> uh, course into this. Uh, the, the interesting thing, which I'm sure some people in the West will, 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 it will sound familiar to them, is that when Israelis are attacked, it doesn't really make the news. But if a Palestinian is scratched, the whole world is at a standstill. BBC sends their best reporters, they make sure that they are wearing protective gear to emphasize how dangerous the situation is. But if Israelis are attacked, murdered, tortured, kidnapped, this barely makes the news. So, yeah, we've had four attacks. I'm not sure of the number of dead. Um, I think, I think the last five one and two. And yeah, the last one, how many? The last one is three. There was yeah. two and then one today mm. succumbed to, to his wounds. Yeah, and, the, and the thing is, a lot of people are permanently injured, blinded, all sorts of things like this. This is... Uh, uh, they, it's called terror because it's designed to terrorize. It's de designed to intimidate um, us. And the huh. world media is doing its part in the attack by not reporting it so that when we try to defend ourselves, we appear like crazy people. Okay, so let's uh, ask about that. How are people feeling in the region? And is there, are there any plans to do anything about what's been happening? Well, whenever something like this happens, you get the usual voices saying, you know, flatten Gaza, you know, do all these, you know, aggressive um, reactions. But uh, Israeli politicians are a bit wiser than that, and they understand the geopolitical game, and they understand that overreacting will just create more problems. So they try to navigate this as best they can, uh, no matter what they do half the Israeli public will be unhappy. It's not clear that there's a solution, you know, there's no solution. Uh, the attempts of the, the world to intervene and impose all sorts of uh, settlements just, in my opinion, makes things worse. In fact, Western involvement and Western media are part guilty of the death that's happening for both sides. How is that? Well, by the way, they're reporting. They are causing, um, they are under-reporting um, 
Islamist and Arab crimes and over-reporting uh, Israeli um, responses to those crimes. So, so that the, uh, encourages so them to do more? It encourages the Arabs to attack more, absolutely, yeah. The, it gives them hope, it makes them think, oh, if we carry on, you will do something. But they've been doing it for 100 years and it's been doing nothing. And the West just encourages them. It justifies them, the media justifies them, gives them excuses, uses all sorts of slogans like apartheid and stuff like this uh, to encourage them. Some of these people that have been, um, have been um, doing these attacks, they're Israeli citizens, um, which means that they have full rights as an Israeli to do whatever they want. Um, so these so aren't uh, people that uh, smuggled across the border, these are Israeli citizens? Oh, it's most a mix. Of them, or? I think it's, okay. no, it's a mix. It, 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 I don't know the, the latest uh, count, but I know that it's generally a mix. There's, there are uh, Israeli citizens who are Arab Muslims who don't feel that uh, they want to live under an Israeli state. Um, and they are, you know, they've been doing this sort of stuff for decades. I, th I think the majority of the Arab population in Israel, who are Israeli citizens, actually want to live a peaceful life. So I don't think they support this sort of stuff. I think it's a, it's a, it's a minority. It's a large minority, but it is a minority that's making life difficult for everyone else. Because I, I've, you know, Arab, Arab friends and colleagues and people I work with, you know, that's the last thing they want. It doesn't make their life any better. No. Do you, do you think the Israeli Arabs in particular were radicalized in any way, or were they just always Absolutely. like this? No, they were radicalized. They were not always like this. Um, it's definitely the, in my opinion, there's like a pincer effect. There's on one side, there's the Islamist agenda, they're telling them, oh, this is Islamic uh, land, you must, you know, kind of fanatic hardcore Islamist agenda from one side. And from the other side, you get the Western, you know, my human rights, you know, human rights, you don't have human rights. But it's all nonsense in this region anyway, uh, not applicable. Though. So that just makes them feel like they are some sort of, uh, they've been screwed and they have to fight for their freedom and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is that uh, they will never have more freedom than they have under Israeli rule. Because history shows us that uh, Arab countries are never free. They're either a yes, dictatorship or a Muslim... Uh, Theocracy. Run. Yeah. So if they're actually talking about human rights and freedom, um, Israeli Arabs are the freest Arabs in the Middle East. The only place that can compete with this level of freedom is America, Canada, Britain, you know, places like this. They don't get it in their home countries but they do get it in Israel. So, most are, are happy with the conditions they have in Israel. By the way... Um, I think so. Uh, when I speak to, to um, Arabs, uh, you know, I, I, try, I, try to, I try to understand them, right? I know a few people, people personally, but then you think, okay, the people I know personally will not be a good sample, right? Because they tend to be more educated, more involved in business in, in Israel and so on. So I try to talk to all sorts, you know, and try to understand. I, uh, I, I walked into a, a, sh a shop that belonged, was owned by an, uh, an Arab family just to buy some sweets and, you know, stuff like this. And uh, the guy was there on his own and I started chatting with him and asked him, you know, tell me, you know, between us, you know, you can tell me if this is, if, if you're not happy, you know, I'm not, I'm not a spy or anything, I'm just curious. Did tell you wink what while you doing think. it? Yeah, yeah, I winked while doing it. So that, tell me, what do you think? I said, because I was, I was away from Israel, so I told him, look, I haven't been here for a few years, I'm trying to understand the vibe, the, you know. Um, so he said to me, man, this is the best country on earth, I would never change. Interesting. So, yeah. He says, Can look, I, you know, my family is here, my life is here, it's a good country, you know, we treated well, it's like, that's what he said. He was a Christian in Haifa. I asked him, are you Muslim, Christian? He said, he's Christian. Oh, Arab Christian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was just, you know, I just try to ask people, generally, this is the vibe I get um, from 
from the Arab population. It's probably a majority, but it's not a, a massive majority that feels this way. I think it depends. Like, if you are uh, a person that wants to learn a profession or, or, or you know, some skill and you want to get on in life, then Israel is a very good place to do it. Uh, Arab citizens go to study and become doctors or engineers or, you know, whatever. So they do quite well financially. It's not like they're, they're, in, they're in some kind of a hardship. The ones that make an, make a, an attempt. I'd say there's a bit of, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, they have a word for it, reverse racism or, you know, like um, they have a fancy name for it in America where they, they promote uh, minorities. I think in Israel they do the same thing. So if you're the an, diversity? Yeah, a little bit of that. So if, if you're an Arab from a poor uh, background... Oh, uh, I think I know what you affirmative mean. Affirmative um, action, let's say. Affirmative action, yeah. So if you're an Arab from a poor, poor family or from a poor background, you, you'll be kind of pushed along, you know, kind of helped uh, to, get, to get, on, get on the ladder, as they say. So Yeah, I, I remember sitting in a taxi in Israel, I think about a few years ago, and I, I just come from the UK, and um, I heard on the news that um, there was something and they're complaining about it that minorities like Arabs don't have enough rep representation in, in something. And it just sounded very familiar in like England and in America. It's just the same yeah. kind of... So all, all these talking points are, be are being brought to Israel from the West. Um, and they are poisoning the atmosphere. They're creating... Uh, um, tension between different communities in Israel. Um, so it seems to me that outside forces are trying to play on the divisions in Israeli society in order to undo the society. And I feel they're doing the same to British society, they're doing the same in the West. Um, and there are different organizations around the world that would benefit from that, from a weak West. Yeah, like Putin, Can for example. Can you expand on that one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Putin right now uh, would be obviously happier. The weaker the West is, the better it is for him. The Chinese are in a similar position. The Muslim Brotherhood, uh, Iran, um, lots of lots of uh, countries and various organizations don't like the fact that uh, the West is strong and kind of in charge of the situation. Uh, you know, I see. I don't think I don't think um, the West can be any less strong in the case of Russia and Ukraine at the moment. I think it's, I mean, with regards to sanctions, okay. Uh, but I I don't know if the, it's necessarily like a firm grip on the situation. Maybe uh, we shouldn't move topic really, but um, I think in in general, um, your enemies will be uh, happier if your society is divided, right? It just makes for or it makes it harder for the, for you to reach decision if your society is divided if the politicians are not divided and they can't agree on anything then it's a good time to attack you it's a good time to try and push you around because you 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 know you start arguing about everything you can't decide what to do because everybody's divided you know um so i mean it's it's an old strategy it's not a new thing causing uh, divide divide and conquer is exactly so divide the society. So in Israel, you've got the, the Arabs uh, and the Jews. Then you've got, among the Jews, you've got the religious Jews versus the secular Jews. Okay. Uh, so create division between them, you know, uh, and, and so on. Just play on those things. That it, it keeps us busy arguing amongst ourselves instead of keeping an eye for our real enemies. Can I, can I ask on a slightly different topic? So the current political situation in Israel in terms of the, uh, the government... Hmm. Um, not sure if everyone knows, and I don't know if I can describe it very well, but uh, for the longest time there was a different uh, prime minister called uh, Bibi Netanyahu, and he was there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then there was, I think, about three or four elections that were not enough votes to change the government, or that either side didn't have enough votes because... The situation there isn't isn't that there's two political parties, there's something like eight or nine, I'm, I'm not sure. 
The and no one can endless number of political parties endless number of yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah everybody and uh, dog have a political party in israel but uh yeah there's about six to eight that are really the kind of the 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 big blocks in parliament or as we call it knesset in israel it's like uh, a parliament same, same thing yeah and currently now there's like a very uh maybe weak union or unstable union between a number of political parties <laughs> yes. <laughs> particularly originally designed to take uh, take control from from Bibi, right? It's a completely uh, ridiculous government. It's a coalition between far right, far left, and everyone in the middle. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They disagree about every little thing. I mean, they, they can't agree over, over anything, really. In principle, you've got people there who are... You know, hardcore religious, uh, and you've got hardcore atheists. You've got uh, far leftists, they want to break up the family, and like, uh, what's her name, Michaeli? She believes the family is the worst thing on earth. And you've got people there who believe that the family is the basis and <laughs> foundation of our society. And, and so on. You've got people there who believe that, you know, we should uh, retreat and, you know, and, and give the land back. They call it back to the Arabs. And there are people there who be- believe that the land is ours and God has given it to us and there's no way. <laughs> How can they sit in one government? The one thing they have in common is that they all hate uh, the previous PM. And it's a personal hate. It's nothing to do with uh, his uh, success or failure as a, as a politician. In my yeah, opinion, I, anyway. I, just, I was just wondering if the previous prime minister was there, he, he probably would have taken some decisive action with regards to the recent uh, terror attacks but it seems that this government is, is ha- mm. finds that more difficult or they're arguing over should there be baked goods in hospitals or something exactly exactly with the point I was making earlier if you if you have that kind of government who can't decide on anything big then they'll be busy about you know which type of you know tape to use when they wrap their gifts or something you know that that they'll have arguments about that because they on the big things there's no way they can agree so they can't do anything so it's a it's a government of paralysis it was imposed on us really on the Israeli population uh, nobody voted for this government if you asked if you just counted the Jewish vote in Israel then it's very very clear who won the election um, who's that? Netanyahu, he wins every election for the last 20 years if you just do the, 20, the Jewish vote. So you mean the Arab vote changed the outcome? Yes, of course, yeah. What is the percentage of the population? It's about 20% is Arab, and uh, they tend to vote left. Very few of them vote for the oh, I see mainstream, yeah. So they tend they don't, to vote they don't vote left for their own. far left. They don't vote for, vote for the Arab parties? They, they do, but the Arab parties tend to be left-wing, and if they don't vote for the Arab parties, they tend to vote for left-wing secular parties. So they, they never say, vote... Sorry? sorry? When you say left-wing Arab parties, aren't Arab parties, like, or some of them, aren't they more religious slash conservative to be called left-wing? They are, but they haven't, it's the Muslim Brotherhood type thing, so they haven't, it's a mix of, they're conservatives on one, on some things, and, uh, and very left-wing on other things. It's because they don't really fit this left-right spectrum, which is Western. But if you try to, to do it, then I would, I would put them on the left. They want to dissolve, in terms of Israeli politics, they want to, yes, they are conservative religiously, but they are anti-borders. Right? They, want, they want, a, want one state, yeah. Yeah, they want one state for the whole world, and they want that state to be Muslim. So, <laughs> oh, a cali- and, caliphate. Yes, and they, and they are very much for charity and a lot of left-wing agenda. They are, they are with them. So they are for um, social benefits and uh, Wait, that so sort of stuff. Can I, if I can summarize, you're saying they want one global government yes. and left-wing policies. To, left wing when it comes uh, when it comes to um economic and and yeah economy and some social issues they are very left wing 
So unless you, if you, if you are left wing, if you don't know what to ask them, they'll just say to you, oh yeah, yeah, we agree with you. You see what I mean? They will be in agreement with the left winger about many, many things. Okay. And that's why, that's why they got along with Obama, the Muslim Brotherhood and Obama got along very well. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to talk about... I, I just wanted to say something before that. Yeah. The, you said about uh, Netanyahu's reaction to what is happening. If yes. Trump was president and Netanyahu was prime minister, I don't think this would have happened in the first place. Why do you say that? Because just their presence is intimidating. Oh, I see, okay. The so, threat of force. Yeah, so, so you will have attacks, but yeah, but there will be fewer and there'll be, yeah, on the whole there'll be fewer people dead on both sides if Trump was president and Netanyahu was uh, prime minister. And we had it tested. When they were in power, there were fewer, <laughs> fewer cases like this. So we know. Now, since Biden came in, we've had uh, conflict in, in Aza. We've had all these terrorist attacks. We've had the riots in the streets. We've had uh, Jewish synagogues burnt in Israel. Uh, Lebanon is in turmoil. It's falling apart completely, but the media don't care. They don't report it because Jews are not involved. As soon as they can blame Jews, then Lebanon will be in the in the news again. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean that's how it works. Sadly, that's how the media operates. The, you the, you the, see, the... you know, <laughs> thousands can die in Lebanon. Nothing, no mention in the news. But wait till it, one of them is die, dies because of an Israeli bullet, then it will be in the news. What is happening in Lebanon that is is causing people to die? What's going on? There's uh, Iran. Uh, Syria, Hezbollah, which is a proxy of Iran, uh, the, the, the Christians fighting for whatever they got left, uh, the uh, Palestinian refugees there, it's, it's a mess. It's been civil war since the 70s. And it's, uh, at the moment it's getting worse. Um, last time people heard about it, it was this massive explosion they had in the port, where all the weapons that had been piling up suddenly yeah. exploded. Netanyahu warned the world about the, the weapon storage in uh, Beirut port, but nobody cared. So, <laughs> there you go, it exploded. Um, but Someone if you go and look at what's going on... Sorry? Someone lit a cigarette while on duty or something? I don't know. I forget what the reason was, but I think they held lots of explosives in a place they shouldn't have. Um, okay. So... Lebanon is not a real country. It never was, but now it completely isn't. I mean, even the Lebanese army and the Lebanese police don't control the country. So it's, it's just a wild west. Can you can you expand on? And I don't think I don't think the viewers here will, under, will understand intuitively. But there's a sort of like uh, language or currency in the Middle East, and that is kind of like strength. And once you show strength, it it, it like stabilizes the region. Yes. And people don't start fights. I don't think people will intuitively understand. It's very difficult also for people from the West to, to understand. I think it's difficult because they're disconnected from reality. It's the same in Europe. They just don't realize it. The only reason they have nice life and peace in Europe is because they are strong. And as soon as they won't be strong, they won't have it anymore. They just don't understand it. If nobody dare attack you. Nobody, you, you, you know, do you think people don't want the wealth of Paris? Do you think there are no thieves in the world that would be happy to come and rob Paris? Of course there are. But, you know, the French have an army, they have a police, they have a whole system designed to protect what's theirs. But this, when they, if they don't have it, then sooner or later someone is going to come and take it. Just the, the way of the world. And in the Middle East, it's very much like that. Um, if you want peace in the Middle East, Muhammad explains exactly how to have peace in the Middle East, which is to be so strong that nobody dare attack you. Then you'll have peace. I think also there's like this element where people constantly try try to test if if your strength has gone down. Yes. Like they won't just accept it. They'll they'll every once in a while test it and, and if it's just yes. sad in a sense, but if, if you don't react like if you don't overreact in a sense, it will be worse than not than reacting 
not reacting or reacting very weakly in quotations? Yes. The, the trick in the Middle East is to react uh, in a smart way. Not overreact, not underreact. And you have to live in the region and know who you're dealing with in order to gauge what you should do at each time. And I don't know if Israel always gets it right either, but we definitely get it better than... Uh, Israelis definitely get it better than Europeans or Americans who... I don't know, they don't, I don't even know if they have maps in American schools anymore. Oh, of the region, they don't know where it is on the, on the globe? They don't really, yeah, they don't really have a... You know, you can, you can learn something and you can have a feel for it, you know? It's two different things. Where, you know, I can learn lots of stats about America, but it's only if you go and live in, in, in America in, that you, you get a sense of what it's like. And it's the same... Or any place. I remember in, in high school, my teacher said that uh, Germany think they asked children or teenagers in Germany to think to say how big in Israel is. And at the time, it was very frequently in the news. So they thought it was a massive landmass, like twice yes. as big as Germany, because they heard it so often. People are still shocked when I tell them that, uh, you know, the distance from Tel Aviv to the to the border is like two, three miles. They don't, they don't get it. You know, the country is like 10, 20 miles wide. It only gets to about, what, 50 miles or something like this? It's widest point? Yeah. I think it's like 45 minute drive between east and west and eight hours between north and south. If you, so it's less. So if you go less? from, uh, if you go from the, from the shore, from the Mediterranean shore, Tukfar Saba, that's about five, six miles, and then another three, four, you reach the border. Okay. That's the narrowest point. And Kfar Saba is, is northern Tel Aviv, really. It's like the, you know, the, the northern edge of greater Tel Aviv. It's like the main metropolitan area. The airport is near the border as well. This, Israel is a very small place. <laughs> they just don't get it. <laughs> it's very narrow, and it's very hard to defend a very narrow strip of land mm, very crowded apparently well some there's still desert parts but like in other parts it's more crowded yes but of course we keep hearing in the news that gaza is the most densely populated place in the world that's this is just a lie that's so easy to disprove i don't know why nobody just <laughs> checks I, actually, I i heard it's an open-air prison yeah it's an open-air prison yes it's but, well uh, it's well ventilated <laughs> but the, the claim that it's the most densely populated place on earth is just plainly false. It isn't even close to being the most populated place on earth. Uh, I think Tel Aviv is most, more dense. Uh, Paris and London are definitely more dense. So I don't know where they got this stat from and why journalists keep repeating it, but it sounds good. And it's it does, anti-Israel. It does play so, well, yeah. yeah it it's anti-Israel, well. so we'll, we'll take it. You know, that's the um, journalist Actually, attitude. I think... I think the last time I heard that said, I heard it said on, I think on the Young Turks, uh, when they were, the issues on on Gaza, when like there was a very thin fence there. And this was, I think, before, like there was a lot of, a lot of things happened after that, but uh, I think it was only a few years ago. But uh, kids were like throwing rocks to the other side and um, they were then throw. I'm not sure if they were throwing they were throwing rocks and like incendiary balloons at some point and then Israel on the other side had these drones that would drop like some kind of tear gas. Uh did yes. you know what I mean? Yes, I know. I don't remember the details though. I don't know I don't know exactly which specific event. That was a f- like over ten years ago, I think. Oh, so it's okay, so ignore me. Um, I think I mean, I'm, you know, there's so much going on there. So I don't know which. You mean when uh, when uh, Trump came in, then they marched on the. They had this march on the border. Do you mean that one? Yeah, there was there was a very there was a part of the border that was very thin, like the fence was very thin. Other yeah, part so, was. Yeah. So there was a plan to basically march through the border into the nearest Israeli towns and start massacring people. They had tunnels that fed right into. Uh, dining halls, schools in near, nearby villages and towns in Israel. And they had a plan where they're going to go through the, the tunnels and 
people come from the through the border as well, and there'll be yeah. thousands of people swarming these Israeli towns. That was the idea, and they said it was a protest, <laughs> yeah, a bit so, like so, a BLM yeah. protest, you know, uh, fiery but uh, peaceful. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sure my my viewers would appreciate that uh, comparison. Yes. Um, what uh, what happened in the end? Like it just died down, or it got worse, or well, there's nothing they can achieve. The whole thing is a show for Western media, right? There is nothing that they can achieve. They've, they, Israel, from being a completely powerless country that was about to collapse on itself, has become a major force, and there's nothing they can do. So it's all a show. So when the show is over, they all go home. That's, that's Why are they so happy for. to... Sorry. Why are they so happy to sacrifice young kids, though? Because it was essentially, the, wh- how I remember it, it was essentially children. And I think they even paid, mm-hmm. paid like some, some money, anyone who goes towards that uh, border section and, and uh, I don't know, attacks it or throws rocks at it. I just don't understand why those, and, and the, I mean, you obviously do. And, and I have seen like um, these videos where they train children to do like these army exercises. Yeah. Uh, but why are they so from, from, mentally uh, and psychologically willing? Yeah. Well, this goes to the fact that in Arab culture, and generally in the Middle East, and not only in the Middle East, in many places, the individual is not as important as the collective. Well, now you're talking my language. Yeah. So... If the collective is if the collective is more important, then of course sacrificing a few individuals for the collective is is you know is no question. It's like you would sacrifice a finger to save your your whole body, right? And that's the yeah. same way they view it. The collective is the body. Um, so yeah, it's they'd sacrifice one finger to save the whole body, or to to fight the the the, the war, the struggle, the resistance. But but still, uh, it's children. I don't understand that part. Yeah, but it's a great tool because dying children are wonderful for the media. So that's why they use them. It's it's a tool. So the whole thing is a show. And the best show, you know, used children and animals, right? It's a famous uh, Hollywood thing. It's children and old people, I think. I know. I it's think it's like. Uh, a- Wheel, no, wheel was, some old people or something. I no, don't know. no, no, it's children and animals. The, the children, famous yeah, thing okay. is that uh, no, no, um, it was, I can't remember which uh, Hollywood star said it, that uh, if you do a film with a child or an animal, that's the end of your career. Because the yes, child it's difficult steals to the work. show yes, or, the, yes. or the animal steals the, the star, oh, I see. Know, the, the limelight, and you become... Uh, an accessory <laughs> so uh, you know the, the actor becomes an accessory everybody's focused on the child on the animal you know that the actor could be amazing but if the it's a, the the main character is a dog and the dog wags his tail the audience starts crying and <laughs> you know they don't need to do much and the actor needs to do a lot of work so uh, yeah that's what they use they use children as a, as a, an accessory in a propaganda war which the uh, Western journalists love to take part in. Mm. By the way, can I just ask: Do you uh, do you develop, develop? Did you develop your dark humor over time, or is it just like a sort of uh, defense mechanism to what's happening in Israel? I don't know. I, th- I don't know. Just comes <laughs> naturally. Yeah. Just just the region. That's how it is. We laugh at sad things. Well, I mean, you have to laugh at everything. Uh, I was arguing. I don't know if you know this character, Duvid. He's got a YouTube channel. And I do. We were arguing. He decided that laughing. I think he's a bit, uh, a bit strange himself, but that's okay. I mean, it's okay to be a bit strange and unusual. Great people have been unusual, but he says um, that laughing is degenerate. Jokes Dege- are degenerate, de- really. Yeah, jokes are degenerate, and humor is degenerate, and all it is is, uh, it's it's a way to reduce any serious discussion into, you know, a oh, kind I see of the a, context of a battle, and but 
but he's kind of missing the point. It's like humor is is just another way you communicate. You know, I could tell you, I could criticize you uh, much more gently if I do it, you know, jokingly, and you take it that way as well. So you wouldn't be offended or as offended. So we use it as a as a, as a way to communicate, you know, and to make make other people have a better time around us. So I don't see what the problem is with him. I think he's yeah. a bit. Uh, I so, think yeah, I think uh, it, I think it's important to laugh. Yeah, I agree. I think it sounds like in his context, it's um, he was probably trying to have a serious discussion about stuff he cares about with someone else, and they didn't no, wish to. No, 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 he just wasn't. In general, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was trying to have a serious discussion about the fact that uh, humor is degenerate, and uh, and I even gave him example humor in the Bible because he's religious and even that didn't uh, dissuade him so there okay. you go um, the other reason why I wanted to bring you on is perhaps for some training or some uh, education <laughs> um, what what would you normally do if you run into as you as you mentioned earlier liberals who say that uh, Israel is an apartheid state and thousands of Palestinian, I assume children, die every day in it. Well, the, I'm not the, joking. It's not, not an exaggeration. Okay, so let's start with the numbers. Israelis and Arabs have been fighting for about 100 years now. Uh, the number of dead on the Palestinian side, I think, is around 35,000. And the number of dead on the Israeli side is about 30,000. So... That is what, if you compare 100 years, and we've got less than 100,000 dead, dead uh, compare it to any other war, and normally a war that lasts six months has more people dead than this. So as far as, you know, thinking that we are in some kind of incredible deadly war where thousands of people are dying, it's it's not. I mean, it's very sad that those people die on on both sides. Of course, it's it's terrible. But in the con, you know, if you put it in context of other wars, I mean, in Iraq um, between two thousand and three and and uh, what is it, two thousand and five? I think nearly a million people died. The war between Iraq and Iran in the eighties, I think over a million people died on each side. Um, and so on. So the Israeli-Arab conflict is, is, you know, quite small in comparison to these things. Um, so I think the, overall Israel has managed to keep it, you know, relatively peaceful for, for all sides. So no, thousands of Palestinians aren't dying every year. Uh, the, the, I mean, I can look every at the day. numbers. Every day. <laughs> no, not yes. even every year. Uh, no. Uh, so, uh, I mean, let's let's have a look. Israeli-Palestinian casualties. Uh, it's it's normally uh, dozens. Sometimes you get hundreds when there's a conflict. Uh, you know. So okay, here we go. Uh, I found this stats. So between. It's from 2000, so 2000, uh, there were about less than 300, the year after it was 500, the year after it was 1000, then it was 500, then it was 700, then 200 and so on, it's a few more years in similar numbers, and then it dropped, where like 2010 it was 82, or 120, or another year it was 40, and another year it was 100. Oh, so it's getting more peaceful, in fact. Yeah. When when Bibi came to power, fewer Palestinians died, except in 2014 when they decided to attack Israel and Israel responded. So they actually attacked Israel in a, in a very peaceful time, comparative to previous periods. Uh, also, the number of Israelis uh, that died has dropped as a result. But if we're just talking about Palestinians, then when Bibi came to power, uh, there were four five years were a bit like before, and then it dropped. From 2010, it dropped. And of course, when Trump was in power, it was very peaceful. 
if you look at the stats. So that proves my point. Uh, and number of children killed also, when Trump was in office, is the lowest number of children killed. <laughs> uh, when Obama was in power, it's a mixed picture. So some years were pretty good, some years were worse. But uh, even in the worst year, in the last 20 years, uh, 560 children were killed um, in 2014. That's the worst year on record, I believe. So it can't be thousands every day. Um, and okay. for example, 2010, 15 children were killed. Now, people have to remember that the Palestinians do not make any effort to protect its citizens when it starts attacking Israel. So that's, that is a war yeah. crime as far as I know. So yeah, yeah, uh, if, if uh, the Israeli government decides to attack some other country, uh, one of its responsibilities is to defend its citizens from a counter-attack. So Israel, like most countries, builds shelters, uh, they have um, sirens, they have uh, text messaging to warn you that your area might be attacked. They have a whole, a whole bunch of things to, to deal with it. Uh, the Palestinians make absolutely no, no effort, zero, like none. In fact, they do the opposite. They actually they do the opposite. Yeah, they do the opposite. They they use uh, public areas in order to position their rocket launchers. Launchers. Yeah. And the only Israel can stop those attacks, those rocket attacks, is to bomb the rocket launchers themselves. So Israel doesn't gain anything from hitting any people, because it's the people themselves can't do damage to Israel, and it's those weapons that can damage Israel. So they only want to hit those weapons, but when they put those weapons in in a school or hospital or hotel or uh, the AP building <laughs> in Gaza, then Israel has no choice. They have to stop the rockets from falling on Israeli citizens. That's their duty. That's the government's duty to the citizens. And that's what the citizens demand. Please make the rockets stop. And the only way to stop them is to hit those targets, which they, on purpose, they put them where people will be hurt. So Israel uses this system where they warn them a few minutes before they bomb. They actually, Israel actually warns the people, please run away, we have, we're going to bomb your area. Um, sometimes we've, there's been reports that Hamas do not let them leave. So they know they're going to be bombed, they want to run away, but Hamas stopped them from running away. So if Hamas made any effort to protect those people from being killed, um, very few would be killed, if any. I mean, Israel doesn't attack Gaza for, for no reason. It's only when they bomb us and rocket us or launch missiles at us that we have to respond. And normally I, I, uh... the Israeli government doesn't even want to respond. You know, they don't really mm. want it, but there's pressure from the citizens, from the people. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I just want to add that um, the population in Gaza, they have their own elections. Mm. They have their own uh, police, judges, politicians. Yeah. They're, not, they're not really a part of Israel per se. It's like a quasi, their own little state. area. It's, so it's, it's a already state. a state. It's just not recognized, but it effectively is a state. It's got everything to be a state, borders, everything. It doesn't, it doesn't have um, an army that uh, actually controls the borders. That's the one thing he doesn't have. But he has an army inside. So if, okay. if, it, if it learned to behave like a normal country and stop bombing everybody around it, uh, then long, they could have had a state long ago. But they're not, they're not functioning in a way that anyone can deal with. Uh, the reason why I mentioned the state is is because I I think the state is morally responsible to protect its own citizens. Yeah, they are. And the, the Israeli government is morally responsible to protect its citizens, and the uh, people in Ga the government in Gaza or the government in uh, the, the Palestinian territories or whatnot is responsible for the lives and taking care of the lives of its own citizens. That it's moral responsible. It's moral duty, and it seems like as we were. Uh, mentioning that they're doing the complete opposite and then blaming Israel for, for doing yeah. it. Well, that's, it, it, they do it on purpose because it plays into the into the hands, right? They don't care about the children. They care about the collective. And, if the, if, uh, and also a lot of these photos are fabricated, right? They use uh, stills from movies and tell them, oh, look at this, what the Israelis, they killed this child and stuff. 
and then they they have like uh, teddy bears and dolls that they spread spread around any ruin they can find, and they claim that it Israelis you know kill children and all this. But there can't be so many. <laughs> and sometimes we we catch them like this photo is from a movie. This photo is from Syria in two thousand and five, and you claim it was Gaza two thousand fourteen. And but the media publishes it. And there was a famous case where they actually drew smoke clouds to show that Israel is bombing uh, Beirut, I think it was. And it was all false. And then the, the, the whole media, the BBC, CNN, everybody published it. And then they said, oh, uh, the reason there was, the photo was uh, doctored is because the, the guy who sent it was working in the dark. That was the reason they gave. You can look it up. He was working in the dark. I don't know why working in the dark makes you draw smoke clouds on the, in the sky, but that's the effect working in the dark apparently has on BBC journalists. <laughs> I, I do remember one time, during the, the time I mentioned about the, the rights around the fence, I saw a picture on Twitter that and a, and a boy holding his forehead, the forehead was bleeding somewhat, and he's crying, and the, the thing in the picture said, This boy, this is like in the middle of his forehead, he's, he's holding his hand and it's like bleeding. And uh, the picture said a sniper shot this boy and that's why he's bleeding. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, if a sniper had shot the boy in the forehead, that, that, couldn't, be, that couldn't be right. I don't know what they're claiming. I mean, the New York Times... No, because, the because it would be like a... It would, I guess it's difficult to, to express, but... If it was a bullet hole in his forehead, he wouldn't be holding it with a tissue. It would be something else. Yes. I mean, they, they, they fabricate so much stuff people don't realize. They showed a photo of an Israeli policeman who, who saved an American tourist from an attack by Palestinians, right? And the article said that this was a Palestinian attacked by Israeli police. So they show up oh. an Israeli policeman with an American tourist, a kid, who was like, I don't know, 14, 15, who was attacked by Palestinians. This Israeli policeman actually saved him. He was bleeding. He was obviously attacked quite severely. And the New York Times published a photo claiming that this Israeli policeman attacked a Palestinian kid. And this was in, in the front page, and this went around the world. It was a famous case. You can look it up. It was, I think his name was Tuvia Gossman or something like this. I can, oh, I think you showed it on your show, didn't you? Yeah. Or, or with, yeah. Uh, with uh, your friend, academic agent? Yes. There's many, there's many, many, many cases like this. It's just endless, endless. There's like decades of lies. Decades of lies. Everything people hear about Israel is, is just imaginary. It's, it's in the heads of journalists. So, so what do we do? Um, well, people already know that the media has become the enemy of the people. I mean, Trump was right. Um, they Sorry, are... Sorry, okay, hold, dial it, dial it a little bit back for a second. What do we do with regards to the bad impression of Israel? Um, I think we just carry on telling the truth. And what else can we do? We just carry on telling the truth. I think people believe the media less and less. Uh, and the, the facts are with me, like, I, I don't need to lie. So, it, it's the easiest path to take, the truth is consistent. It's when you lie, that it's, things are gonna... You have to remember it, you lied? Well, you if you, you lie, you, you, kind of break, you break reality, so the, at some point it's gonna catch up with you. It, it's, hmm. Things are not gonna be consistent. Now you are so, talking my language. Yeah. Second time. <laughs> so, so, you know, I just try to tell the truth. People can come and check. They can see the stats. It's published online. They, you know, if they think that thousands of Palestinians are dying every day, just look it up and you'll see. I mean, these are figures published by the Palestinians themselves. So, you know, you got the Palestinian figure, you got the UN figure, you got the Israeli figures. So sometimes Israel will say, oh, it was 107, and the Palestinians say, well, no, it was 123. Okay, but it's not a thousand. Okay. Not a day. I'm talking a year, <laughs> not a day. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for joining the show. We, we very much appreciate the insight and the uh, knowledge of the region. 
And yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I mean, um, like as you know, we we don't get an opportunity to tell people the truth normally. It's just other people discussing us and telling people lies about Israel. Um, so nice. This is the reason we started our channel. Maybe I can promote yeah, yeah. my Go channel. Ahead. It's called uh, the the Juminati. Uh, Why is it called the Juminati? It's a joke. Us. It's a joke about all these conspiracies about the Jews and Israel. You know. So, <laughs> is it right wing or Palestinian uh, conspiracy theories? They're all the same. They, they, there's no difference between them. They think they're so original. They're all repeating the same cliches that were generated by the Soviets in the '60s and they. The far left and the far right, they're just repeating this. They, they, they don't really know that they have been subverted. But So is, is this the whole, whole shoe theory or not so much? Um, without getting into a theory, just reality, right? If you see someone who claims to be a communist, far left, whatever, uh, telling you some historical fact, quote unquote, and then you go and talk to some hard far-right guy and he's telling you the same story. Well, I don't know if it's a horseshoe or a shoelace or what, <laughs> what kind of contraption is, is best to describe the, the political spectrum there. But they're saying the same stuff. So I, I like to be practical. All these theories and all, this, uh, all these academics are giving me a headache, you know. I don't care about the backstory. I just look at what's happening, you know. If you come to think, attack me, I'm going to defend myself. You know, I'm not interested in your stories. Sure. And I think uh, what uh, the Mossad isn't, isn't telling you is, that firstly, he's, he's always listening. And secondly, yes. he also controls the weather. So don't... Uh, we do. We control the weather. We control everything. Literally yeah, everything. So, so uh, just uh, be good, because we'll, we'll figure out if you're not. Sorry, when I mean me, <laughs> we know the Mossad. Yes. We'll He'll tell me later, yeah. Yes. We know everything, we watch everything, we're out there, you know, we're everywhere. We're in your drawer, we're, we're under, the, under the bed, we're, we're behind you, we're everywhere. Oh, so that's the noise? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, anyway, um, again, nice thank you very you. much. Nice talking to you as well. So, bye everyone. Bye, bye everyone.